great I am Who is worthy None beside thee God Almighty The great I am I want to be near Near to your heart In loving the see dry bones living again sing as one hallelujah holy holy god almighty the great i am who is worthy none beside me god shake before you the demons run and flee at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the
And just think for a minute, you thought about staying home tonight. Is God good? Can we give him a praise? Amen. At this time, we're going to continue in our uh, worship with tithes and offering. And I was sitting over there because I never like to come up here and just kind of take up offering. I was like, God, what should I say? Should I say anything? And I'm not trying to drum anything up. That's not me. But this is what I just feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to me about tonight. This is not a normal Sunday night. It's obvious already as people have come. God's calling people back home. Drawing people back home. I can't wait to see what God has for the rest of this night. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time where we can lift up honor and praise to you, God. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do for us. Lord, we ask that as we give our tithe and our offering, Lord, back to you. Lord, that you bless it. That you use it to where we can expand to your kingdom, Father God, right here in Popper Bluff. We ask all this in your name. Amen. one more time. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and lift our hands in adoration and worship unto Jesus. My, 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 what a powerful move of His Spirit already. There's just a different expectation in here tonight. There really is. There's just a freedom. There's just a different expectation. And that's the, that's the breeding ground for something great. <clears throat> Father, we just pause right now. And we just lift you up. This is such a holy moment. God, we are so excited to be in here, to be in your house and lift you up. And this is such a holy moment. Truly, Lord, there's an excitement. There's an expectancy, Lord. But God, this is holy. Jesus, we worship you. We exalt you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that every heart and mind would be ready to receive of your word tonight. Lord, we don't want to just leave here the same way we came in. We want to be touched and changed and challenged and set on fire by the Holy Spirit to be the kind of people that you want us to be, to be the church that you want us to be. Lord, I'm just praying for miracles tonight. I'm just praying for salvations. Lord, already we've had people rededicate. We've already had people come to you tonight. Just as a result of the Holy Spirit coming down. They couldn't help but come to the front. They couldn't help. Lord, your scripture declares that if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And tonight we have lifted you up. And Lord, you have kept your word. People have come. But I don't believe you're done. I sense in my spirit, Lord, you're going to do something in this word. For the next few moments... In Jesus' name, we just turn our attention to you, to your word. And we pray, God, that, that something wonderful would come out of it. And everyone that agrees, say amen. If you would give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you one more time if you would stand. We're going to do our declaration. How many of you know this is important? Declaration's important. It helps set the atmosphere. For the church service, and uh, as soon as we're done with the declaration, I'm going to read our our uh, scripture text for tonight. If you would just remain standing, but let's do our declaration. Let's believe this tonight, Lord. Today, by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and He has delivered us from all of our fears, our troubles, and fears. 
We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen and amen. If you would just remain standing for a few moments as we read the word. It's found in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Going to be reading verses 3 through 9. Very familiar passage of scripture. It's known as the parable of the sower and of the seed. And I want to just uh, <clears throat> read the first part of this chapter. And I encourage you to go home later on and, and read the rest of the chapter after this to kind of fill in some of the gaps. But uh, this is what we're going to be reading verses 3 uh, through 9. And this is Jesus speaking. And it says, Then he told many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up, and others fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. And they sprang up since, and they sprang up since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. Father, once again, we turn to your word tonight. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fall. God, each person that is here, that is saved, that is blood-bought, there's an anointing on their life. But Lord, the word itself is anointed. And God, when you mesh the anointings, powerful things happen. God, when faith is joined with anointing, God, powerful things happen. And we're just believing for miracles tonight. Lord, I'm believing that, that even when people leave here tonight, things that may be happening at home that they don't like, God, you have already moved and provided a miracle on their behalf. God, we're just speaking, we're declaring your word in faith. Lord, you are good to us, and Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me tonight, I got a little bit of a cold, so we're going to try and, and work our way through this. But uh, this parable found in Matthew chapter 13 is also found in two other passages found in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. And as I said before, this is the parable of the sower of the seed. And it's a famous parable preached on many, many times. I'm sure you've heard it preached on and taught on many, many times. But for whatever reason, the Lord laid this on my heart. And there's just a few things that I want to address out of this. And it might be a little bit different take on it than what you've heard preached on before. And so uh, for time's sake, like I said, I, want, I really want to encourage you to go home and dig into this and, and see what the Lord reveals in, other, in the latter verses of this chapter. But in this passage, you see that there are four types of soil that Jesus mentions later on. And he equates the soil to the condition of our hearts. It speaks of the quality of the soil. And again, it speaks of the quality of our hearts to receive the seed which is being sown, which is the Word of God. And not just receive it, but the, the, our proper response to the Word of God that's being spoken. And if you look at the last part there, the very last part, it mentions that there is the good ground in which uh, other things had fell up and good ground which, which the crop began to grow. And the Lord dropped this into my spirit that I think it's only human nature. It's only natural for most of us to think of ourselves as being the fourth type of soil, the soil that is good ground. Most of us, when we think of our heart and we think of our heart's condition, we automatically assume that we are certainly not the fallowed ground. We certainly aren't the rocky ground. We certainly aren't the shallow ground. Most of us, if we look at ourselves, we kind of give ourselves a pass, if we're to be honest. Most of us will sit there and say that we are good ground. We want to cut ourselves some slack. Most of us want to think a little too highly of ourselves and the condition of our heart. We compare our hearts to others' hearts, and so therefore we give ourselves a pass. Because there is something inside of us, if we're not careful, if we're not honest, that assumes the best, when in reality our hearts may not be where they need to be fully. Somebody say amen. In fact, in many places in the Bible, it tells us such things as this, as Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, to plow up the hard ground of your hearts 
And do not waste your seed among thorns. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 goes on to say this. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. We're going to hit on that in a minute. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. In fact, in Matthew 13, it says that he, speaking of God, equating God, the farmer, it says that he was spreading the seed on the path, that he was spreading it on the rocky ground. He even spread it among the thorns and that he obviously spread it among the good soil. And some people say, well, the seed, the word, isn't it being wasted on on poor ground? Let me just say this. That's not God wasting the seed. God loves everybody. Somebody say amen. He wants the gospel, he wants the word to go out to everybody, to every creed, every color, every nationality, every man, woman, and child. He wants to sow the gospel seed. He wants to sow the word of God amongst all types of soil so that someday when we all stand before the Lord, nobody will be able to say, I didn't know. That everybody will have had an opportunity to hear the good news of the word. It's God's desire to reach everyone. Why? Because Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. It's the soil that makes the difference if the seed is actually going to be producing. It's the soil that's going to make the difference. Now look, I am no farmer. But I know a little bit about farming because both of my grandfathers were farmers. My dad farmed whenever he was younger. So I've picked up on a few things that over the years you learn a little bit. And the soil's condition plays a vital role in the success of the crop. And let me just stop and say right here, this is the obvious thing that Jesus is talking about. The soil in this scripture is equated to your heart. Your heart's condition plays a vital role on how much of the word begins to come to pass in your life. It just does. You can get to the point to where you can read Scripture and memorize Scripture. You can know it up here. But if you don't have it in here, the Bible speaks of the the heart. It doesn't speak of the mind. It speaks of the heart. Because you can know all kinds of things, but until you get it down way down deep in your gut. Come on, somebody. Until you get it down deep in your heart and until you embrace it and until you begin to live it out, there will be very little change. Oh, (laughs) I feel this tonight. God is wanting to begin the, to get the word of God into people's hearts so that where it's no longer just something that's talked about or where we hear preached on or taught on, where we are literally walking manifestations of the word of God. We are walking manifestations of the Word of God. There are warnings in Scripture, but there are also promises in Scripture. There are conditions in Scripture, but there is also provision in Scripture. And when we begin to live according to the things of God in the Word of God, His blessings will become to be manifest in our lives. We become walking epistles. Walking epistles. Now listen. I said that the soil plays a huge, a huge vital role in the success of the crop. And God is saying tonight, check your heart. Check the soil. Are there parts of your heart that have gotten hard? Are there parts of your heart that have gotten hard? Now listen, I'm jumping ahead of my notes, but you can be soft. Certain parts of your heart can be soft and malleable and have plenty of nutrition. And in certain areas of your life, you can have victory. You can walk in anointing. You can walk in power in certain areas. But in other areas of your heart, you can be hard. You can be calloused. You can get to the point to where you don't let anything in. And you can be successful in certain arenas. And you can be a failure in other... But I want to tell you, God wants you to be a success in every arena. God wants you to walk in favor. He wants you to walk in anointing. He wants you to walk in the Word. He wants you to walk in power in every arena of His Word. It is for you. You can be soft and receptive and fertile in some parts and calloused in others. I've even talked to farmers that will tell you that on the same uh, uh, relatively small plot of ground, you know, just matter of a few acres that you can have certain parts of the, of the, of the soil that is in good condition. It's, in good, it's conducive to growing crops, and man, it'll really produce. And you just go over a little ways on the other part of the farm, on the other plot, uh, part of the ground, and it's poor condition. And that's my point I'm trying to tell you is that there's certain areas in your life 
Where you can be successful and in other areas the condition can be poor. The same is true for our lives. Be good soil here and to be bad soil over there. Now, I'm going to give a little illustration, uh, illustration earlier today. I forgot to do it after lunch and it was about 4 o'clock and I got into panic mode. And I sent Hannah up to Orson. I didn't know if they was going to be open, but thankfully they didn't close till 5. And so we had an hour to kill. And I told her, I said, I need you to go up to Orson. I said, you need to get me two things for illustration tonight. And she said, what's that? I said, I want you to pick up a soil tester. Anybody ever used a soil tester before? Any farmers in here? If you, raise your hand if you want one or two. All right, so this is only going to connect with two people tonight. But anyway, so the, the, the point I'm trying to make, a soil tester. You go in there and it does just exactly what it says it does. You stick this thing in the ground. Now, this particular one, it measures a few different things. It measures moisture. It measures the pH level. It measures the light. It measures the, uh, the fertility of the ground. And so literally, you go over and you check different parts of the soil and you begin to stick it in there and you see where it rates so that you will know how to come back and adjust things later on. If the fertility is low, you'll know in this general area, I need to put more fertilizer. If it's, if it's good over here, okay, I can leave it alone. And what the Lord really began to drop in my heart was, is he said, Josh, I'm trying to per perfect my people. God says, I'm trying to perfect my... Listen, we got all kinds of people that are saved, that are on their way to heaven, but God says, he dropped this in my spirit. He said, what I'm trying to do is get people to understand that their heart is it, it's good, but it's not exactly where it needs to be. It's not the level I want it to be. It's not at that standard of holiness where I'm trying to take them to. It's not at that, that, that condition because God is trying to perfect the church. He's trying to get the church in such a condition to where holy living is the norm. Come on, somebody. Oh, I listen, I know this is 2019 America. We don't preach holiness, but it's still God's standard of living for his people. And God is trying to get his people to where they're no longer just satisfied with being saved. Yes and amen. If you are blood-bought, thank you, Jesus. But can I tell you, God wants to work a miracle in your life. He wants to use your life in the here and now. And God is trying to work on your heart so that you can be receptive to more of his presence in your life. So God is coming along. And he's doing this. He's doing this. What's going on in your heart? What's going on? Oh, you're good there, Josh. You're, you're walking in it right there. But, ooh, ooh, you need to work on this. You need to let my Holy Spirit do a work in this right here. You need to let my, oh, Josh, this is good. You're okay here. We need to work on this. Why? Because he's trying to bring about holiness in his people. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, is coming across this congregation, not just tonight. I'm talking about in, in your devotional times. Come on. In your devotional times, in your alone times, when you're in your car and you're worshiping the Lord and the Holy Spirit's coming down. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit's beginning to drop things into your heart, into your mind. And you say, oh, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm saved. I'm served in ministry. I'm doing this. I'm doing good. And God's saying, yeah, you are. And all that's good. But there's a few things. There's a few things. Come on. Come on. He's checking the condition of your heart. Now listen. Jesus gave this parable as a warning to check your heart. The heart is the place of growth. It is the place of development and maturity in Christ. Don't assume. Do not assume. Don't make the dangerous assumption that your heart is always good soil. Because the Bible declares in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things. Come on. It's deceitful. It will trick you. You'll begin to compare yourselves to other people instead of comparing yourself to the Word of God. And Jesus told them in Luke 8 verse 18, he's telling the same parable, only told a little bit different ways. It's the same parable that's being talked about. He tells them this. He says, take care how, then how you hear. In other words, when the word of God is being spoken and the seed is being sown and it's going out about certain things in certain areas of your life, don't just sit there and let it fall on fallow ground and hard ground and, and thorny ground. Don't let it just sit there. But take care how you hear. God, is this for me? Lord, what are you trying to speak to me? Lord, am, am, am I being perfected in this area? Are you happy? Are you pleased with this area in my life? Look carefully at how you hear the word of God. 
ask yourself some questions. Is this word actually making a difference in your life? Can you and others see a change? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord? Are you becoming more like Jesus Christ? Is there a greater passion for the things of God? Is there an anointing in your life that's being manifest and being carried out? Jesus is saying this is serious business. And there's a scripture I'm going to read to you later that says that we are to ask that God would water the seed with righteousness that would come down. And the, the water of his righteousness begins to break up and make soft the hard ground. We're to pray those kinds of prayers. The word is the seed. And it'll keep you from temptations. It'll keep you from distractions. The word of God will bring joy and satisfaction to your life. Come on, somebody. It will bring joy and satisfaction. It leads to life. It is what will help give boundaries and wisdom to your life. When you pray, I, I loved it today. How many of you love that, that testimony by the Carson family? Wasn't that powerful? I, it just, it just such an anointing, such a, just such a humility. Hannah and I, we were talking about I said there was just such a, 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 an authenticity. There was such a realness, such a, a, a humility about it. I mean, you could just see God all over them. God all over that whole situation. What a powerful testimony, guys. And I loved how she kept saying in parts of it that she would, she would pray the word. She would speak the word and she would pray the word. Can I tell you, and I told my class this Wednesday night, did you know that a third of the New Testament is nothing but a recorded prayer? Did you know that collectively a third of the New Testament is nothing but a recorded prayer? So when you read these scriptures and you're going along, you, you think you're just reading statements of fact, but oftentimes it's prayers that you, are, that you are taking in. And so here's my point I'm trying to make to you. Is that when you pray, pray the word. The word is the seed. And when you pray, you are appropriating the seed of God into your heart, into your life circumstance, into your situation. So when you pray, you need to pray promises of the word of God over your family. When you pray, you need to pray the promises of the Word of God over your marriage. When you pray, pray the promises, the seed, the Word of God over your children. Pray over your health concerns. Pray the Word of God over your business. Now listen, it can take time to grow. Seed takes time to grow. Now Lord, the Lord can do a miracle. He can do an instantaneous miracle. We love that. But oftentimes this seed, it begins to get planted into your life. And if your heart is receptive if you'll break up your fallow ground and you'll begin to pray and, and, and ask the Lord to rain down righteousness into your heart in due season the crop will come come on somebody in due season that crop that seed will grow now listen if you aren't praying in alignment with the word then then you aren't really praying good seed is, is that okay to say some of y'all just got rocked I'm serious. If you're, not praying, if you're not praying in alignment with principles and things according to Scripture, you're really not praying uh, an effective prayer. You're not sowing good seed. You're sowing tares. You're sowing things that God is not willing. Listen, God is not going to do anything for you outside of His Word. That's what the Word does. It gives boundaries. It gives parameters. It lets us know what God will and will not do. It lets us know the conditions that God sets out. And when you try and pray and manipulate and arm twist God to do something outside of His will according to the Word, you're not going to get what you're praying for. Sowing nothing but tares. How can you say that, Josh? Well, because no matter the condition of the soil, good or bad, it will only produce the seed that is sown. When the seed is sown, what will the response of the soil be? Well, our response should be, what uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 points out, that, that in the Word, the Word, we are really hearing God Himself. Will your heart respond correctly to God? That's a question. Will your heart respond correctly to God? The Bible points out that we are to plow up the fallowed ground. Now, again, farmers, raise your hand. How many of you ever worked a plow? 
few of you have. Raise, raise your hand. It's hard to see up here. How many we got? A few of you. Okay. Well, Dad and I, we experimented with a plow this last season. We decided we were going to try and, and uh, plant garden out at, out at our business. And, and we borrowed, uh, we got a little Ford Jubilee tractor, and we went and borrowed a plow from my uh, uncle. And we hooked it up to the back of that thing. And I, it, it was so unbelievable. I'm just going to, it was tedious. Because we would try and get that thing set. You know, we'd, we'd put, it was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. Dad was watching videos online to learn how to do it. <laughs> he didn't really know what he was doing, I don't think. Did you know what you was doing? I didn't think so. You'd see from our crop, he didn't know what he was doing. But anyway, I love you, Dad. But anyway, so we, we, we would, we actually, one time, we, we backed the, the back wheel of the tractor up on this block to get, the, to get the plow set up in situation, we're turning all these knobs, and well, you got to turn this way, and you got to go this way. And we're, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we're watching videos. You know, well, this guy says do this, and we're like, let's go this, and it looks good. You know, and and we actually got out there in the garden, and I backed that thing up, and that little tractor. I thought we was gonna blow it up. I had that thing just wound as tight as it would go, and I would take off, and it would start to turn over, and, and I'd pull the plow up a little bit, you know, and it would turn some earth over, and we'd back up. You're, give it more gas. There's no more gas to give. And so we would back up, and we kept going, and finally we just got to this point. We're like, man, this is just tough. So we decided we was going to go over to another plot that never had really been, had the earth turned over, never had really been plowed much. It was truly fallow ground. And we got over there, and I think on this one area we planted a bunch of turnips, and I don't think we got any turnips coming up right now, but anyway, we planted a bunch of turnips, and we went over there. We had to plow, what was it, two or three times? Three times, that whole area? And we got some, we got some turnip greens. We ain't got any turnips. You know, that's coming. Here's my point saying all this. We were, we were trying to figure out what we were doing, and we were trying to turn this earth over, and it was going to blow up the tractor. And the point I'm trying to make to you through that story is this, is that there are parts of our heart, if you ain't careful, that are super, super hard, that has never allowed the Holy Spirit to turn over. Come on. Plowing the ground humbles the ground. Plowing the ground rips it open. It scars it and it cuts it deep. And can I tell you, when God comes down with his, with his plow and his tractor and he's going over to those hard areas of your life and he's trying to dig way down deep into your heart and turn that mess over, God is trying to do a work. And many times what we do, we want to sit there and not let him do it. We don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to let God do the work. But God is trying to plant something in your life. Am I making sense here? When the scripture says, plow your fallow ground. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy. You say, okay, well, what does that take? It takes humility. Humility. God wants to humble his people. Not humble them in a sense that he is trying to back you into a corner and make you feel less than. That's not what I'm talking about. But God is trying to get his people, their heart, to where they are totally dependent upon him. Because listen, when you can get your heart in a place where you realize you are totally dependent on Jesus, your whole life takes on a new dimension. It takes on a new joy. It takes on a new, uh, a new character. It takes on a whole new arena, a whole new level of anointing. Humility brings a softening to the heart. It makes us ready to receive the Word of God. Humility breaks up the hard-heartedness and the hard heart. Listen, James chapter 4, verse 6, you all know this. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride keeps the heart hard. You show somebody, you show me somebody that walks around that's hard-hearted, I'll show you somebody that's prideful. It's just that simple. They're one and the same. And it also, hard-heartedness and pride keeps grace at a distance. It won't allow the grace of God to come in and begin to work on the soil. It won't allow God's grace to come in and work on your heart's condition. Of all the things about ourselves that oppose us and keeps us from growing in the Lord, it's pride. Come on. 
is pride. Pride says this. It says, Lord, I don't need you, at least in this arena. I got this part covered, God. I've got this area taken care of. I've got this. I don't need the word in me as much as you say I do. But humility says, I need you, Jesus. Humility says, I am nothing without you and your word. Humility says, I don't know what to do without you. Humility prays the same prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139 where he dared pray the prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a humbling prayer. That's a humbling prayer. The Lord said this in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2. He said, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Did you get that? You want to be close to the Lord? You need to be humble before God and, and, and let His Word rock your world. Come on. Let His Word, don't just sit there in boredom. Don't just sit there and just read words off a page. But understand the very Spirit of God enabled men, inspired men. This is from God Himself. And the very Word of God is going out and tremble at it. God, what are you saying? Lord, what do you want to do? How is this for me? And allow that humble spirit and the word of God begin to condition your heart. And God begins to grow out of you something wonderful. The humble person is humble and realizes that they really don't deserve the word of God. They really don't even deserve to understand them and to enjoy them. The humble person prays, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. The second thing is this. Humility will lead to submission. Submission. Submission is the only proper response to the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Now I know I feel things kind of tightening up a little bit, but listen. I'm going I'm to move this thing on. I believe the Lord's going to do a work. Don't, don't lose me here. Submission is the only proper response to God. His Word is not just a suggestion for a better you. Seven ways to a better you. 19 ways to a greater life. His word is not none of those stuff. His word is full of promises and blessings for our lives and commands from God, the same God who judges sin. Nobody wants to submit in and of themselves. It is our nature to give God half-hearted commitment. For someone to have authority over us, it, 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 just, it just rubs us the wrong way. That's our nature. In fact, many people will say it's totally un-American. Come on. I mean, that's not even the American. We are the land of the free. We don't submit to anybody. Well, you better. We don't live in a republic. We serve a king who's in charge of a kingdom. But the word does not give any place to be comfortable in our sins. God's word does not give us any place to receive forgiveness from God while we shrug off holy living. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. The word of God does not give us any place to dare come up and ask God for forgiveness on things without shrugging off living a holy life. The word of God does not give us any place to have joy without going through times of suffering and sacrifice. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 19 says this. It points out that to neglect the word of God is to ignore God himself. And it goes on to say this. You can read it for yourself and I'm just paraphrasing here and pointing out some of the highlights of it. And to ignore God himself is a greater offense than theft, adultery, or murder. That's what the word points out. That's serious stuff. So God is calling everyone everywhere to break up any hard, fallow ground that remains in our heart we got to pray for the reign of righteousness on our hearts. we got to bust up the hard ground. And let me tell you, that hurts. That requires humility. You've got to test your soil. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you've got to submit fully to God. Now I'm going to ask Pastor John and the praise team if they would come. And while they're coming, I want to do just a couple of... I want to give my last point. First thing was you've got to be humble. The second thing is you've got to submit. And the third and final thing is this, you've got to pray. 
That's got to be your proper response. You've got to pray. I think, it's, I think it's pretty amazing when you look in the Scripture, the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, is really just a long prayer about the Word of God. That's really what it's about. It's a long prayer about the Word of God. And if you don't know how to pray for your heart, if you don't know how to pray for the soil and for the Word of God in your life, what's powerful about this chapter, it really gives you a blueprint. This word right here, this whole chapter, gives you a blueprint. And I just want to give you a couple things. There's a guy by the name of Mark Siegel that points out seven things, and I thought this was powerful. I wanted to share them with you. In verses 32 through 36, he prays the prayer. He says, God, incline my heart towards you. Incline my heart towards you. Did you know that, that there are, you know... There are people that know they need to be in the Word. They know. They, they know they're to be in the Word. But there's just something in them that just can't, they just can't get the wherewithal. They just can't get the, you know, the, the, the momentum, so to speak, to stay in the Word. Did you know it's okay to pray a prayer? God, I need your help to make me want to do it. God will honor that kind of prayer. Lord, I'm just going to be honest with you. In my flesh, I don't want to do this. There's just something in me that, that just I can't make myself do it. Lord, would you help me incline my heart to your word? Verses 32 through 36, talk about that. He goes on to say in several verses, you can read it for yourself, where he says, Lord, help me understand what I read. How many of you ever been in the word of God and you read something and then you reread it and then you go back and you reread it again and you still don't know what you read? Lord, give me insight. Give me revelation. It's okay to pray. God, show me what you are saying there. Another thing, number three, is to keep your words. Oh, don't just incline your heart toward it and don't just hear them and understand. But Lord, help me to keep the word. Help me to keep the word. He goes on to say in verse 105 and 130, Lord, put light on my path. Lord, give me illumination. Lord, help me to understand. I'm walking this path. I don't know where. Lord, show me the way. He goes on to say three more things. And this next one is powerful in verse 28. Strengthen sorrow. Lord, give me strength when I'm going through sorrow. How many of you ever went through sorrow? Deep down hurt and pain. Lord, give me strength in my sorrow. Verse 37, keep me from distractions. Oh my goodness. We're living in a day and time when distractions are so real. They were real for the psalmist, but they are, they are at a level now like they've never been before in human history. Just distractions and stuff pulling at us. And the next thing he prays is this. Lord, help me to keep your promises. Help me to keep your promises. This is the word. Get this. This chapter right here. This is the recorded word of God about a prayer regarding the Word of God. That's powerful. And he's saying, Lord, help me to live out this Word and use it and, and touch my heart. Now listen, I'm going to ask every person to stand tonight. i I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know how the Lord's going to do this, what He's going to do necessarily. I, I, I don't want to... Lord, give me, give me leading here in this. I'm not going to dare try and arm twist, manipulate. But if listen, if you know there's some things in your life, some areas of your heart, you have to tell nobody what it is. But if you know there's some things in your heart that, that the Lord's been working on, He's trying to break up that fallow ground, I want you to come up here tonight. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how insignificant it is. I don't care if you've been in the church 100 years or if you're just newly saved. I want you to come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just, just remain standing if you would. Just remain standing. I know we got some kneeling. That's fine. But I'm going to ask you just to remain standing. Come on. Yes.